opportunities for our church to grow together. Uh, today I'm wrapping up the preaching of the uh, 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 book of Jonah. This is the fourth chapter of the book of Jonah. And, and we started with uh, chapter one in the first uh, week in September on obedience. And that message for our church means that we want to be obedient to build a vibrant church of disciple makers that reproduces vibrant churches locally and globally. And we want to do it consistently over a long period of time. It wouldn't happen in five years. It wouldn't happen in 10 years. It will happen but we, if we keep working on it together, 30 years, 40 years, to be a vibrant church of disciple makers. On the second week of September, we focus on prayer. And we remind each other that prayer is so important to undergird everything that we do here because when we pray, God is at work. So pray like everything, everything depends on it. Last week, the third message we were called to proclaim. Uh, Jonah was given a second chance, so he took up the second chance and preached to the Ninevites. And that message to us is to remind each other that you still have a second chance to obey God by providing others a first chance to be right with God. Even in repentant spirit, even in many years of disobedience, and once we obey, we are able to give others a first chance to be right with God. And today in the last message, we are called to show compassion. Jonah chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. Let me read to you, you can see on the PowerPoint or from your own Bible. Jonah chapter 4. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O oh Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out to the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. And the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah, and it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. Then God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in the night and perished in the night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle. You know, the book of Jonah could have ended in chapter 3 in a wonderful crescendo. A major disaster is reverted, and it is a good ending. But the drama is not over. We have to come to chapter 4. After all, the most important lesson in the book of Jonah is not for the Ninevites. It is for God's people. It is for you and me 
to hear the message of Jonah. Now, this is it. It may make you squirm. You may feel uncomfortable. It may be pricking to you, but we need to hear this message. Chapter 4. Let's begin with our anger with God. Jonah was angry, but let's be honest, we see ourselves in Jonah because sometimes we are angry with God. In fact, a lot of times. In verse 1, it says, it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. The word displeased exceedingly can also be translated disaster. It's a major disaster, a great disaster. And Jonah is only beginning to feel that disaster in his life. Why? Because the repentance of Nineveh and the fact that God did not overthrow the city is a great disaster to Jonah, and he was angry. Angry is the most prominent emotions in chapter 4. The word angry means more than just anger. It means burning anger. He was fuming. And four times in chapter 4, it mentioned that he was burning angry. Uh, verse 1 says he was angry. Verse 4 says, the Lord says, do you do well to be angry? And later on in verse 9, God says to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plan? And again, verse 9 says, he said, Lord, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. Burning angry. Do you have to do that? Do you go that far? Well, verse 2 says, And he prayed to the Lord, say, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are gracious, God, and merciful, and slow to anger, bearing steadfastness, and relenting from disaster. I knew it. Why was he angry? He was angry because the deliverance of the Ninevites is a death sentence for the Israelites. That's why he was angry. To allow the Ninevites to live today would have sealed the fate of the Israelites that someday they will be conquered and ruled by the extremely cruel Assyrians that Ninevites is a part of that empire. You are creating your own enemies. You are making your own enemies. Would you do that? Jonah says, I would not do that. I don't want to be involved in the, this, this scheme. I will not accept that. That's why he was angry. See, the true reason that Jonah ran away from God is finally revealed. Chapter 1 didn't tell us exactly why he ran away. It just, tell the, it just told us a fact. Chapter 2 didn't tell us what happened in the belly of the fish. He was praying. Chapter 3, he mentioned why he was angry. Well, he obeyed, but his disaster came when he saw the repentance of the Ninevites. Because Jonah anticipates that God will forgive. So he made haste to flee to Tarshish. He can't bear to see it. And verse 3, verse 3 reminds us that he has a very good theology about God, but he was not able to apply that with the right theology. He can't live with the result of his successful preaching. He'd rather die in verse 3. And no wonder in chapter 1, 
Even in the very beginning of chapter 1, Jonah told the sailors to throw him into the stormy sea. He'd rather die than to preach to the Ninevites. He didn't even want to start the journey. That's how difficult it was for him to obey God's mission to go to Nineveh because he knows full well that God has a soft spot for repentant sinners. But he has a strong theology. He has a great knowledge of God. He said, God, you're a gracious God. You're merciful. You are slow to anger. You abound in steadfast love. You relent from disaster. Five characters of God. God is gracious means he's considerate. God is merciful means he has a soft compassion like a mother for her child in the womb. So tender. God is slow to anger. He is patiently postponing his anger by saying, not yet, not yet, one more chance, one more chance. God is abounding in steadfast love, which is his unrelenting love, his covenant love. He promised he will deliver. And God relents from disaster. You can, you can hear the reluctance there, the hesitancy. That, that God agonized over sending disaster, sending punishment to people. Jonah has a great theology of God, but Jonah is weak in applications. He wants God's character to be applied to him and him only. And that character of God be off limit to the Ninevites exclusive to us who are chosen by God, but anything outside of this realm, cut it off. They don't deserve it. Jonah doesn't like God's forgiveness towards the Ninevites, and neither does he approve God's intent or action. See, God is too nice to those who are not nice. God's compassion is good. Jonah's love for the people, love for his own people, patriotism, it's good too. Ninevites repentance, well, we hope for their result. Which one would you vote for? They are all good. If you vote for God's compassion, Ninevites will be spared, but Jonah will be angry. If you, vote for God's, if you vote for Jonah's patriotism, Ninevites will perish and God's heart will be broken. If you vote for Ninevites' repentance, God will be pleased, but Jonah will protest. Who do you vote for? For God, for Jonah, or for Nineveh? You know, I like these commentators who say that we are dealing with the complexity of faith. It's more complicated than you thought, just to be merciful. To whom? The complexity of a faith in a God, in a Lord, who cannot be tamed and whose mercy and forgiveness cannot be controlled. You don't have the final say. He has the final say. And that makes things very complicated as a human being, as God's people. 
because we may not like the way he does things. When, when were you angry with God? Usually, when we think God is too soft and too slow. Especially when we live in a very violent, wicked, declining, immoral kind of environment. When we don't feel safe, we want God to act, but He's kind of slow and, and soft. He, he should have acted more promptly in eliminating atrocities and violence. He should have toppled oppressive regimes who rule by iron feast and, and, and liberate the people. Remember the older brother of the prodigal son? He was not happy with his father's kind treatment of his younger brother, who squandered one-third of the family possessions. Can you imagine that? One-third, gone. And now coming back, asking for leniency. The older brother really wanted to tell the younger brother, you blew it, you don't deserve it. Get out of here. So we lashed out like God. We, we quarrel with God. And we protest, naturally. And verse 4, God asked him, do you do well to be angry? Jonah you are so, so mad. Do you do well to be angry? Does your anger result in any good? And you know what? Jonah refused to answer. He walked away in disgust. God wanted to engage Jonah in a conversation. But Jonah was so angry that he was not ready to talk. And he will only begin to answer that question, why are you so angry, in verse 9 when we come to that point in second point. But don't get it wrong, church. Both Jonah and God are grieved by Nineveh's wickedness. The only difference is God is willing to forgive while Jonah does not believe that their evil should be forgiven. That's the difference. So in verse 5, in his protest, he went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Remember, he proclaimed that message to the city of Nineveh and said, 40 days, Nineveh will tumble. 40 days will be destroyed. Well, remember, we, we, we study that the city is as big as three days' journey where in the major marketplaces that Jonah can preach to the whole city, three days. So maybe he took three days, three days, and they repented, but there's still 37 days left. So he said, I'll take my chances. I'll build a tent. I'll, I'll be sheltered from the sun. I want to watch, see what happened. I want to see what happened to the city of Nineveh. Would God actually do what he will be doing to Nineveh? You know, if you picture that in today's term, people in protest usually come with a play card. I think the play card may read, burn, Nineveh, burn. That's how angry he was. It appears initially, as we study chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, that God was ruthless and oblivious to the welfare of the bystanders. They were merely collateral damage, like the sellers, because of Jonah. They were encountering a raging storm. But now the truth is revealed. 
God is merciful, but the prophet is merciless. And that's a problem. You know, compassion to those who are needy and weak and vulnerable is somewhat easier. Because when you extend your com com compassion to someone who is needy or weak or vulnerable, that makes you the strong one. That, that's, that feels good. You are the strong one. You are the giver. Compassion to family members like spouse or sibling, it's harder because you expect more. I expect more. I thought you said you love me. I thought we are committed for life. How, how, how come you have second thoughts? How come you didn't show? How come you didn't commit to what you promised? When you are in a family, relationships, relatives, relationships, in a close-knit community, you expect more. We, we are a covenant group. But compassion to the unjust, compassion to the enemy, it's a real challenge. It, it is like asking a Chinese who went through the Sino-Japanese war and preach and asked them to preach to the Japanese soldiers who slaughtered millions of innocent Chinese. And that's the kind of wrestling that they have to go through. It is, it is like asking a, a Jewish Christian who is a Holocaust survivor or the family members of a Holocaust survivor who's Christian to preach to German Nazi prison guards, family members, descendants. That's hard. Now, maybe with that two illustration, which is more reason, can help you to appreciate the wrestling within the hearts of Jonah. That was a difficult decision. And you can understand better why he has to wrestle with that. And therefore, in the second point, God gave him a lesson on compassion. God telemate a unique life experience for Jonah to help him understand God's compassion, and hopefully God's compassion will get to him, and he will exercise his compassion based on God's compassion. It was a quick action, snapshots of events and happening in his life, a life experience. Verse 6 says, Now the Lord God pointed a plant and made it came over Jonah, and it might be a shade over his head to save him from the discomfort. And Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when, drawn, uh, when dawn came out the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. A very quick action experience to really awaken him to the reality about compassion. And this is the only time that Jonah expressed happiness. He was exceedingly happy when God prepares a vine to shade Jonah under the beating sun. But to teach him a lesson, a worm is sent to destroy the shade, and a scorching wind makes life very miserable for Jonah to the point he wants to die. But at least it gets Jonah to speak again, and it works. Jonah goes from anger to happiness and back to anger. But by then, he is ready to listen to God again. 
you know, in this quick action life experience that God has telemake for Jonah to experience, we, we learn two things. One, we witness God's sovereignty over nature. The book of Jonah keeps reminding us God appointed all this. God appointed a storm. He sent a storm. God appointed a fish. He appointed the vine, the worm, and He pointed a scorching wind. And they all came to His bidding. Whatever God says, they will do. We witness God's sovereignty over nature. But secondly, we also witness Jonah's irony. He was happy to be delivered from the storm. He was very happy to be delivered from the scorching wind, but he was not happy at all at the repentance of the Ninevites. And that's a lesson he has to learn. So beginning in verse 9 to 11, that's the whole point. That is the whole point. God reasons with Jonah. I like the way this writer portray the dialogue that might be happening between God and Jonah. Verse 9 says, God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plan? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plan for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in the night and perished in the night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 100,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle. And this writer picture, this is how they dialogue. God says, we have felt your rage all the way up in heaven, Jonah. Do you think it's therapeutic to get this angry? And Jonah replied, oh, at least I know now exactly where I am with you, Lord. What it finally, what it finally comes down to now is this. You forced us to live in a rotten world supposedly run by a fuzzy-minded, soft-spined liberal God. Well, the fact is, I don't want to live in this kind of war. I want out. Things are never going to be right again. God is soft on evil. I don't like that. And God replies, It was the vine that did it to you, wasn't it, Jonah? You fell for something. You fell for that plant, the vine. You let that beautiful vine get to you. Well, if you can feel for a vine, should not I pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle. You see, Jonah cares about the life and death of a vine because it affects his comfort level. But God cares about the life and death of the Ninevites because it affects their eternal destiny. Jonah cares about the life and death of a single, short-lived vine that he did not create. But God cares about the life and death of 120,000 Ninevites whom he created. And the 
Ninevites are described as 120,000 who do not know their right hand from their left. They are not children. Otherwise, the population in a small two-square-mile kind of a city will, will be too, too much to handle. I believe they are those who are ignorant spiritually. They can't tell what is right and what is wrong, what is godly, what is ungodly. They are easily manipulated, brainwashed into doing something that is foolish and ungodly. And God is saying, Jonah, shouldn't you not consider the state of their spiritual conditions? They didn't know better. Because of their ignorance of God, what they need is not more education. What they need is repentance. Can you accept that? Their ignorance does not absorb them of their responsibility, but it warrants the right approach for their deliverance. Would you consider that? Church, our God is bigger than we thought. He is more than the God of His chosen people, Israel. He is more than the God of FCBC Walnut. He is the God of the universe, God of all creations, of all peoples whom He has created. He is bigger than your God, and your heart needs to be bigger, your mind needs to be bigger to fully understand your God. And the, the, the New Testament equivalent of this theology is just John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. You know, we, we, we love to have a compassionate God. We come under God's compassion. But there are implications. Do you know that? The implication of a compassionate God is that evil will endure longer on the earth because God is slow to anger. If you fully embrace a compassionate God, you need to accept that there will be violence, there will be wickedness, there will be evils with us as we live in this world. You can't believe in a compassionate God and ask God to eliminate, annihilate, like the city of Nineveh, and just tumble them, destroy them. Because a compassionate God would not do that. When you believe in a compassionate God, it means that God's grace and God's love and God's compassion will be extended to the rebellious, to the waywards, and even to the violent in the world. Can you accept that? That this compassion is not only extended to you now that you and I are the recipients of God's grace and enjoying it and cherishing it while we cut off God's grace to others, to the rebellious, to the waywards, to the violent, and cut off the supply to them. That's the implication of a compassionate God. And that's the life that we are living today, actually. 
You see, Louis Smith summarized in a very powerful way. He says, Jonah saw only, Jonah saw only weakness, but God saw people. Jonah saw the violent power structure, but God saw weak people. Jonah saw the evil and was indignant. God saw people and was compassionate. Morally indignant people have a compulsion to divide all people cleanly between friends and enemies, good guys and bad guys, and want instant judgment and execution for the enemies and the bad guys. God sees the human race as people, all of whom, we included, all of whom are part good and part evil. And He's willing to give them all a chance to let them have more time to let the, the world go on a while because he is not wishing that any should perish. Second Peter chapter 3. He is not wishing that any should perish. But the Jonas of the world says they are so evil, so hopelessly evil. Yes, God replies, but consider the children. If you can't have compassion for the dictators of the world, what about the little ones? They never ask to be born in Nineveh. So when Nineveh goes up in flames, the children burn with it. Remember the children, oh, you Jonas of the world. Why does God let human history go on when everything seems so wrong in it? because he is not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. That's why. So we should not give up too quickly when everything goes wrong, the writer says. We should not give up too quickly on our troubled marriage. We should not give up too quickly on our troubled children. We should not give up too quickly on our troubled self. Don't demand that everything be all right today. Give God time as He gives us time to repent. Would you give God's compassion a chance to make all things beautiful in His time? Today, my message to you is that the greatest compassion of God is manifested at the cross of Jesus, which compels us to make disciples of all nations. God's greatest compassion is not shown in the way He spared the city from destruction. God's greatest compassion is manifested at the cross of Jesus. And because we are the recipients of God's grace, it compels us to be a part of the Great Commission, to make disciples of all nations, all nations, Ninevites included, all nations, people you don't like included. And that's what we are called to do. Challenging, challenging. Only when you understand the compassion of God can we begin to accept that challenge for us to say, yes, I obey. Yes, I will go. Jonah points to Jesus, the true and better Jonah, 
who will come and die on the cross for our sins, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. John 3, 16 and 17. We studied that in our study of the book of John. The book ended in a very uncomfortable way. We love to see resolutions. We love to see questions being answered in a satisfying way. But Jonah's, the book of Jonah, ended with a question from God. And Jonah did not answer. God says, Should not I pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? Who and should not I pity? That's the question. Jonah never answered. See, Jonah did not answer gives you and me a chance to answer. It gives the readers, it gives the church of Jesus Christ to have a chance to answer that question, should I not pity? And it gives me a chance to answer that for our church. Should not I pity? God cares. God cares for the church. So how do you respond to God's care? Well, I think the vision we receive from God is to come together and to build a vibrant church, a lively church, a church who cares about God, who has a high view of God and Scripture, a vibrant church of disciple-makers. Church can be engaged in many, many things, but ultimately, make disciples of our nation is from Jesus' lips to the church. Make disciples of our nation. And that will be our main thing. Our church main thing is to make disciples of all nations. So if your small group is not doing discipleship, if you are not doing discipleship, if you are not engaged in doing discipleship, you need to be aligned with the vision of the church. That's the main thing. God cares about His church. And God cares about children and youth. And I respond to the children and youth crisis that we are experiencing, especially in this part of the world, is we want to really equip the parents to be the primary discipler of the children. Whether you send your children to public school or Christian school or home school, we want to do our best to help you to be the primary discipler of your children and to anchor them in God's Word. And by the way, this is the main project that Pastor Terrence is going for. For the three months, he will seek the Lord. He will study God's Word. He will look at many different uh, programs and, and different curriculums and find something and tell and make something for our church that we can more effectively, systematically equip our parents to be primary disciple-makers of our children. And if the Lord opens doors for us as we envision the future, we hope to establish more high school Bible club, elementary school good news club, so that we can reach out at a lower level before the world gets to them and anchor them in God's Word.
God cares about salvation of sinners. Our response is, if God allows, if the timing is right, by 2023, next year, we want to start planning for a church plant somewhere. Maybe to the east, maybe to the south, somewhere. We want to seek God together. We just operated this new building for six months, and maybe by 12 months, by next year, we should be more settled. And that will be a good time for us to begin to plan for a church plan and invite people to be a part of that. And I pray that as we come together to anticipate this new church year, God will speak to you and you will respond as well. That we want to build a church plan that is a replica of what we have here. It will be an English-anchored Chinese church where we can reach out to the immigrants, but their children will come to the English service and English will anchor that church wherever God will lead us. And maybe you can be a part of that. That's our response to what God is asking. Should not I pity? Let's pray together. Could you spend a quiet moment and allow this message to sink in? before you go, because once you go, most of the message will be lost. Allow this moment to let God speak to you through that four chapters in the book of Jonah. What is God telling you? Are you aligned with God's vision and God's purpose? Are you ready to surrender and obey? Are you ready to pray? Are you ready to proclaim? Are you ready to show compassion? Would you allow God, the Spirit, to speak to you, to convict you, and to move you, and, and you, you respond to God? I'll just give you a moment to respond. Lord, we want to thank you for allowing us to go through the Senior Pastor Series every year in September. And we believe there's a reason why you allow us to pick the book of Jonah to speak to us at this specific time. Because you want to stretch our mind, you want to stretch our heart. To have the heart and mind of our Lord Jesus to open our eyes to see the needs around us and we have the gospel we keep saying that we have the gospel but it cannot be exclusively within these four walls it has to go out and therefore we ask you to open doors for us to allow the gospel to go out maybe to our neighbors and family members and maybe to our marketplace friends and colleagues, and maybe even to a global mission and engagement that we can be a part of. Lord, we ask you to move our church to be aligned with you and to move with God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.